first Paxil birth defect trial ends in a $2.5 million verdict in Pennsylvania. And a Montana jury awards more than $3 million in the first Zometa jaw injury case to go to verdict. This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast, a summary of recent news stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The first Paxil birth defect trial ended October 13th with a $2.5 million verdict for a mother who says her use of the antidepressant during pregnancy caused her son's heart defect. A Philadelphia County Common Pleas jury found manufacturer GlaxoSmithKline negligently failed to warn Michelle David's doctors about Paxil's birth defect risk and that the risk was the cause of her son's heart defect. However, the jury found the company's conduct was not outrageous and did not warrant punitive damages. The $2.5 million award was for compensatory damages. In a statement, GlaxoSmithKline said it disagrees with the verdict and will appeal. It said the scientific evidence does not establish that Paxil caused three-year-old Liam's heart defect. The company said it acted properly and responsibly in conducting clinical trials of Paxil and shared documentation and study results with regulators. Glaxo said it continued to monitor Paxil's safety, updating pregnancy information in the medicine's label as new information became available, and communicating safety information to regulatory agencies, the scientific community, and the public. The case was the first Paxil birth defect case to be tried in Philadelphia's Paxil birth defect mass tort docket and the first to be tried nationwide. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz. A Pennsylvania state jury on October 26th ordered Prempro maker Wyeth to pay punitive damages to an Illinois woman who claims her use of the hormone replacement therapy caused her to develop breast cancer. However, the judge presiding over hormone replacement therapy mass tort proceedings ordered the amount sealed until the conclusion of a similar case in the same court. The eight-person jury deliberated for less than 30 minutes before concluding that Wyeth, which last week completed a buyout by Pfizer, willfully ignored scientific data suggesting that Prempro could be linked with breast cancer and misrepresented the drug's safety. The jury previously found that 64-year-old Connie Barton deserved $3.7 million from the company because her use of the drug was approximate cause of her development of breast cancer. Judge Sandra Mazur Moss, who oversees the hormone replacement therapy mass tort proceedings, granted Wyeth's request to seal the amount of punitive damages awarded by the Barton jury, but acknowledged the public's right to know. She concluded that a public announcement of the punitive damages award could affect the company's ability to get a fair trial in the case brought by Donna Kendall, whose trial just started and is expected to last about three weeks. Judge Moss said she would unseal the punitive damages award after the conclusion of the Kendall trial, as well as the amount a jury would have awarded Arkansas couple Mary and Thomas Daniel in 2007 had the judge in that case allowed the couple to receive punitive damages. A spokesperson for Pfizer said the company disagreed with the Barton jury's findings because there is no basis in fact or law for either damage award in this case, and that the company was deciding its next steps in the case. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Hormone Replacement Therapy Report Editor, Shane Dilworth. LexisNexis Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor Tom Moyland reports that in the first biophosphonate case to go to verdict, a Montana state court jury on October 21st awarded a woman more than $3 million after finding that Novartis Pharmaceuticals was negligent in failing to warn her of the risks of its Somata bone loss prevention drug and causing her osteonecrosis of the jaw. 
The Montana jury of six men and six women voted 9-3 to three to find Novartis was negligent in its label or information to Peggy Stevens' doctors about Zometa before September 2004. The jury voted 10-2 to two to find that Novartis' negligence was a substantial factor in causing Stevens' injury. Finally, the jury voted 10-2 to two that $3.2 million was a just and reasonable amount for Stevens' damages. The 57-year-old Stevens is a nurse from Missoula. She has lymphoma and was given intravenous Zometa infusions for three years to combat bone loss during her cancer treatment. She was diagnosed with osteonecrosis of the jaw after she had a tooth extracted in 2007 and her jaw failed to heal. Stevens sued Zometa manufacturer Novartis in the Missoula County District Court for failure to warn and for causation. Novartis argued that in 2003, Zometa's label began to warn that patients should avoid dental surgery while being given the drug. A spokesperson for the company said that it is disappointed with the verdict and will appeal. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Emerging Drugs and Devices editor, Tom Moylan. Toymaker Mattel Incorporated agreed in October to a settlement that will provide refunds and other monetary relief to families who purchased children's toys made in China that were recalled as a result of dangerously high levels of lead. The tainted toys were recalled or withdrawn from the market in 2006 and 2007. More than 20 plaintiffs sued Mattel, Walmart stores, Fisher-Price, KB Toys, Kmart, Toys R Us, and Target Corporation, alleging injury and negligence for making and selling children's toys that contained lead. If approved by the court, the settlement will require Mattel and Fisher-Price to provide refunds to consumers who purchased or acquired the toys up to $10 million for the class. Additionally, the company will reimburse families who incurred costs for testing their children for lead exposure up to $600,000 for the class. A New Jersey appellate panel has reversed and remanded a lead paint case to the trial court level, ruling that a child who was allegedly lead poisoned while living in a premises in violation of the lease agreement does, in fact, have standing to sue the landlord. The landlord argued she was unaware a mother and her child were living in the apartment in question because the premises was leased to the child's paternal grandmother. The lease expressly prohibited children from living in the premises. A trial court dismissed the complaint, finding the child had no status under the law that gave rise to a cause of action. But the appellate panel held the landlord's duty of care extends to the tenant as well as the people who are in the premises with the tenant's consent. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency will investigate and consider lowering the regulatory standard for lead in dust and in its definition of what constitutes leaded paint. The EPA on October 22nd said the current level is not based on current science and that recent epidemiological studies indicate that existing standards may not be sufficiently protective. The EPA's actions, which the agency said does not mean the standard will be changed, is being taken in response to a formal request by the executive directors of the National Center for Healthy Housing, the Alliance for Healthy Homes, and co-chairman of the Toxics Committee of the Sierra Club. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported October 12th that a New Jersey group that acts as an environmental watchdog said that a federal agency studying synthetic turf athletic fields is stalling on issuing its ruling on whether the fields pose a threat to children's health. Jeff Rook, a spokesman for Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, or PEER, said the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency should be taking a hard look at the hazards and has had a year to release a formal report. 
While the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission issued findings in July stating the fibers in synthetic turf athletic fields did not pose a threat, the EPA has remained silent. A Las Vegas casino employee has filed a class action lawsuit accusing her employer of endangering the health of workers by permitting customers to smoke on the casino floor. The lawsuit against Wynn Resorts in the U.S. District Court for the District of Nevada is the second class action lawsuit filed against a Las Vegas casino regarding the issue of secondhand tobacco smoke. In July, a Harrah's Entertainment Caesars Palace Hotel casino employee sued that resort in federal court over secondhand smoke exposure. The action against Wynn Resorts claims secondhand smoke has been designated as a known carcinogen by the federal government. It notes that some Nevada casinos have taken voluntary measures to minimize the amount of secondhand smoke on their casino floors. According to a divided Pennsylvania Supreme Court, a couple who recovered damages for a man's fear of cancer is not barred by Pennsylvania's subsequent prohibition on fear of cancer claims from suing a company not involved in the first lawsuit for a later developed cancer. Kenneth Abrams was diagnosed with asbestos-related lung disease in 1984. He and his wife sued in 1986, alleging he contracted respiratory diseases from asbestos exposure and seeking recovery for an increased risk of cancer. Marilyn Shaw filed a similar suit on behalf of her husband in 1985. Both of those cases settled in 1993. Abrams was diagnosed with lung cancer in December 2002, and in February 2003, he and his wife sued John Crane Incorporated, which was not a party to their earlier suit. Shaw brought a similar suit that also named John Crane for the first time. Those two lawsuits were consolidated for trial. Pennsylvania courts have adopted the two-disease rule, which allows a plaintiff who brought an action for a non-malignant asbestos disease to bring a second action for cancer, but bars a claim for an increased risk of cancer. The Supreme Court held that a prior recovery for an increased risk and fear of cancer due to exposure to asbestos does not bar a plaintiff from pursuing a subsequent recovery from a new defendant for the development of a new asbestos-related disease, in this case cancer. The Supreme Court explained that, quote, any cause of action appellants have against Crane is separate and distinct from the cause of action appellants had or have against other defendants. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz. Two health funds for Philadelphia workers in early October filed a class action lawsuit in federal court against the makers of Yaz, alleging the companies fraudulently and unlawfully marketed the oral contraceptive by overstating its safety and efficacy to increase sales. The two funds accused several Bayer Corporation companies of negligence, unjust enrichment, fraudulent misrepresentation, and RICO violations. The funds complain the companies used direct-to-consumer advertisements to fraudulently overstate Yaz's effectiveness, conceal and minimize the risks associated with the contraceptive, and promote the drug for unapproved off-label uses such as anxiety, acne, premenstrual syndrome, moodiness, and fatigue. A New Jersey federal judge has certified nuisance claims by residents who accused DuPont of contaminating their water wells and a municipality's public utility water wells with perfluorooctuanoic acid. The plaintiffs alleged DuPont released the acid from the Salem County, New Jersey DuPont Chambers Works refinery into the groundwater, which is their source of private domestic well water, and Penns Grove Water Supply utility water. The judge granted class certification of the public nuisance claims for those members of the classes who are customers of the Penns Grove utility. 
She granted class certification of the private nuisance claims for those members of the classes who are dependent on private wells for residential water. The Lexus One Community, where individual attorneys are going for free case law, the Lexus Web Search Engine, free forms, and Mealy's Online. Get access to Lexus.com through research packages for the time you need without signing a long-term contract. Check out Emerging Issues Analysis, News, Blogs, The Download Center, the LexisNexis Store, and more. Lexus One, the online community and research resource for individual attorneys. www.lexusone.com This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast. Visit the Torts and Personal Injury Law Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexis.com slash communities and click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.